when people point to a piece of paper that was issued 20 years ago as like, hey, uh, that's the reason why we're good or not good, that means you've lost. No one cares about that piece of paper. Like people care about results on the battlefield, in the, uh, the, uh, the, the sports arena, in the office. They don't care about the piece of paper. I'm not paying for the piece of paper. I'm paying for the result that a product gives me. Welcome back to the HVMM podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Lat Mansour. In this special episode, I get the privilege to introduce the OG main host of HVMM podcast, and also the chairman and co-founder of Health via Modern Nutrition, Jeff Wu. Great to have you back, Jeff. Thanks for the warm welcome, Lat. It's, it feels like homecoming. Uh, it's been super amazing to see you take the program to the next level, astounded by the quality of guests from the top scientists, practitioners, and it's been so, it's so exciting to hear your Malaysian, British accent uh, take yeah. bold and, and, and entertain all of us. So, no, thank big you very fan much. of what you're building. No, thank you very much for the opportunity as well, Jeff, you know, handing over to me and having the trust. Uh, I definitely learned a lot as well, you know, with my time with HVMN. So speaking of HVMN, Ketone IQ has been in the market for about a year now. We launched Ketone IQ in January 2022. I think it's a good time to look back and look at the year, what we have achieved with Ketone IQ. What are the sciences out there around ketone IQ and, ex and exogenous ketones in general since we published uh, two papers, one paper in review right now, and um, look at what we have learned from our customers? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we wanted to have this conversation because <clears throat> rewind five or six years ago, HVMN was the first company to introduce ketone esters or exogenous ketone drinks into the market and a lot of science, a lot of hard work. I know that you're leading a multi-million dollar, multi-year research contract with U.S. Special Operations. So there's just so much learning and collaboration in academic setting, in the clinical setting, as well as working directly with elite operators, elite athletes, elite practitioners that just haven't yet made it to the public discourse. So I think just even that context, which is like, you know, why is this a good time to have this conversation is to the fact that you highlighted, we've actually been hard at work, publishing papers, uh, very honored to co-author a number of peer reviewed uh, manuscripts in some of the top journals in physiology, in neuroscience with you and our uh, collaborators. So in some sense, I want to take the opportunity to brag a little bit about all the learnings and educate the industry, the markets, the really the community of what is as all happened. Because I think we've been a little bit, I would say, humble or, or quiet about all the hard work we've been doing. Um, so yeah, no, I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, um, I think. You know, just to recap, I know a lot of our listeners already know where we came about. You know, like you said, ketones, you know, in, in the world, like exogenous ketones, the first ever was brought forward by HVMN. You know, Jeff and Michael, they went to, you know, Europe. They, they talked to Professor Kieran Clark and they talked about, you know, ketone esters. And then they made the effort to actually introduce exogenous ketones into the world. So now we have Ketone IQ, our second generation, better and you know more accessible than ever 
that people can start using it on a daily basis because previously there's no way someone can afford, I mean, there is, but depending on how rich you are, you know, you, you can't really afford to have 30 to $90 per day just worth of ketones, right? But now everyone's using yeah. it. So yeah, do you want to share like the background of it and just talk about what, what are the differences between ketone esters and ketone, you know, I talked about it a lot on, on the show, ketone diol and, and yeah, give me your take on it. Yeah, so what I think we, we should start from the very, very top, which is that ketosis is a unique metabolic state for humans, as well as a number of mammals. Uh, typically, the natural substrates for metabolism are sugar and fat. But in a starvation state or a fasted state or a low carbohydrate state, uh, humans have evolved an ability to convert its fat stores into a very energy dense substrate called ketones. And we've all heard of ketones and keto through the keto diet, low carbs, fasting, and you burn weight, you burn fat, and it's like a very exciting metabolic state. But the downside or the trickiness of fasting or being on a keto diet is that it takes effort, right? Like you have to not eat for a long period of time, or you got to avoid the pastas and the pizzas and the noodles that we all uh, love and enjoy. So there is effort required to get into ketosis. So the question is, can you develop a beverage of food technology that can really rapidly deliver the benefits of ketones and ketosis without necessarily having to do the very limiting eating construction and pattern of fasting and or keto diet. And that's been a family and multi-generations of scientists effort uh, looking at what are the molecules and the chemicals that make up ketones? How do you deliver them in a food safe way? How do you deliver them in an effective way that doesn't trigger GI issues or uh, trigger uh, diarrhea or vomiting, um, but also in a very platable way. And then also how do you deliver it in a very, very cheap and cost efficient way. And that's been a lot that latter, I would say five, 10 years has been our story with HVMN leading the way on standing on tops of sh the shoulder of the giants in the metabolic biochemistry, the the metabolic biochemistry and the physiology, but now taking it from the engineering, proctization, cost and, and efficiency, I think that's where HMN has been in leading at the front. So <clears throat> now that we have exogenous ketones, uh, our version one of ketones was a specific form of a ketone ester, and it was a molecule of R-1,3-butane dial, a chirally pure 1,3-butane dial, esterified with D-beta-hydroxybutyric acid. And that was a step forward in the technology of all exogenous ketones. One, we were very thoughtful on being chirally pure. Uh, most organic molecules have left right-handed versions of the same molecule, but biology is very specific. It cares about the left-handedness or the right-handedness of a specific molecule. So even being precise saying R13-butane dial or D-beta-hydroxybutyric -beta acid uh, was already a step forward in the innovation of the chemistry of ketone molecules. So that 
was a huge step forward. It delivered world records and very interesting clinical research back in 2016, 2017. And we introduced the first commercial ketone ester of this form. We became uh, the darlings of the human performance space. I did interviews with the Atlantic, uh, Outside Magazine, Business Insider, New York Times, uh, actually was profiled in a Netflix show and all this stuff. So made a massive headways. And from that experience, made a lot of friends actually. You know, we, one of our partners and friends, Lance Armstrong to Apollo Ono, the most decorated winter Olympian for, uh, for, for America. Uh, all the way to elite combat sports athletes from like the Conor McGregor's of the world to the Jake Paul's of the world. Uh, really built tr trusted uh, foundations, testing and, and working with these elite athletes, um, but also working very closely with our special operations community with a multi-million dollar uh, research contract that you're leading. And I'm sure that we can talk a little bit about the work that we're doing there that we'll be publishing which I'm super excited about because oftentimes all this secret one knowledge is like hidden behind closed doors, but hopefully the stuff that we can publish, we can educate and, and bring forth the state of the art of physiology. Um, so that was a breakthrough. And I think we can be proud to say that out of every single company or brand that is involved in ketones, We've sold the most ketones in the world. We've collected data on the most people on the world. And we've collected also in the elite performance category, probably like the most personalized data and understanding of how to utilize ketone beverages out of any group. I don't care if you're uh, a university. I don't care if you're a nonprofit research institution. I don't care if you're a professional sports team. I don't even care if you're the US military. I think the fact that we've worked with all of those people and have all that brain trust in our specific uh, tribe of advisors, collaborators, principal investigators, uh, practitioners, um, I don't think it's too braggadocious or too arrogant to say that, hey, we actually have some of the best coverage across this field of research than any group world nonstop. I'm happy to compare resumes, happy to convert CVs on why I'm so confident about that. Um, yeah, it's not like about the jump in. Yeah, and that's, and that's really um, the point of when I said I've grown so much in the past three years with HVMN, it's, it's literally that. I, I went from an expert in diabetes, cardiac metabolism, and physiology to now I am writing papers in human neuroscience. We're looking, writing papers in athletic performance recovery. And our re most recent paper is actually in psychiatric disorder as a metabolic disorder. Like the range of knowledge that we have learned and, and we have adapt, uh, adopted into our understanding of ketone metabolism is huge. Right. So let's talk about the science now, you know, since we're talking about science. And I, I find it so funny you mentioned Netflix because it was during the Netflix, Netflix filming that I was interviewing with HVMN and I was with the team at that time. And they're like, oh, by the way, Netflix is coming to film. And, you know, that's one way to hook uh, a new candidate in. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Yeah, that was you know three more than three years ago now, three and a half years ago. So let's talk about the science. So we know that you know ketone esters have been around for the longest time. They have been the most established exogenous ketones so far, just because they have been around. So a lot of studies have been done on them, and they are very efficient in increasing your blood ketone levels to a very, very high level, spike it up really high, really quickly between three to five millimolar within half an hour. And we have seen some papers that shown um, improvement in, in athletic performance. Some papers that did not show any improvement. There is no detrimental effect. There is no improvement. And there are some papers that showed not only it does not improve athletic performance, but it also increases cardiorespiratory stress biomarkers. Now that is what I want to talk about. Why? That is, right? And what we have seen across the board is that when you spike up your blood BHB, your blood ketone levels, at that high level, you are decreasing blood pH and increasing blood acidity. And when your blood is acidic, your body will try its best to excrete more carbon dioxide in order to neutralize that. Some, another paper, Peter Haspel's group, used sodium bicarbonate to try and neutralize the acidity of the of the blood, and they saw an improvement. So, I know what my take is in, in in the science. Jeff, I want to hear what your take is in terms of you know should people be using ketone ester with a buffer, or you know what ketone IQ has on you know uh, in terms of the edge over ketone ester here. Yeah, and I'm going to answer that question. But even the category of ketone ester needs to be uh, broken down further. Yeah. Uh, I remember five, six years ago, and again, not to claim too much credit, but literally no one knew what a ketone ester was until we talked about it and brought it to the world. That was not in industry parlance. Go back to all the podcasts. Go back to uh, the Tim Ferriss's, Dom D'Agostino's, the Peter Atiyah's. Um, ketone esters came to the forefront five, six years ago, back in 2017 basically due to HVMN launching this commercially for the very, very first time. So the field has moved forward where there are now multiple instantiations of ketone esters out in the marketplace competing for market traction and for also clinical applications. So again, what is a ketone ester? Ester, it just means an oxygen bond between two molecules. And specifically, we launched a R13-butane dial with a D-beta-hydroxybutyric acid ketone ester, but there's also an ester that's called acetoacetic diester, uh, which has, you know, RS-13-butane dial, a racemic butane dial, so a cheaper, less efficient form of butane dial with acetoacetate, which is the downstream form of beta-hydroxybutyrate. So <clears throat> I think probably the most famous scientist that uses acetoacetate diester a lot is Dom, our friend Dom D'Agostino. Um, potentially different pharmacokinetics and applications of that specific ester. Um, and there's more esters that are being researched and introduced to the market. Uh, there's a glycerol ester where there is a fatty acid backbone of glycerol with beta-hydroxybutyric acids attached to it. And there's also uh, C6R13-butane dial ester uh, that is basically an MCT oil combined with R13-butane diol into a ketone ester. So a lot of different even types of ketone esters uh, to begin with. So we should not conflate ketone ester as some magic molecule that 
when I introduced it, it seemed to be put on that pedestal. Um, it's really a category of submolecules. Now that we like <laughs> make sure we're very, very clear there, our HVMN ketone 1.0, to your point, was very efficient at raising blood ketones very, very highly. But now we actually look at the chemistry. Half of that molecule is an acid, D-beta-hydroxybutyric acid. So when that ester bond is hydrolyzed, you're generating more acid in the system and you requires buffering and, and, and all, the, all the cascade of, of, of all the mechanisms that you described kicks into place. So two things that, or maybe like, I would say like three important considerations as we were fielding this out in the field. One, an Oxford research group actually showed that post approximately two millimole BHB, there's no additional oxidation of ketones. So you are limit, like literally within the cells themselves. Uh, who, who is the first author there? If I, you believe remind me, I, I believe it's Dear Love. I believe it's yeah, David Dillow. Yes, yes, yeah, that's David Dillow's paper. They, he showed that the biggest delta of ketone oxidation occurs between zero to two millimolar. But when, we, when they went from two to four, they have diminishing return where the increase was very, very trivial compared to the first uh, zero to two. Perfect. And that shows that that zero to two is where you want to be and two to four you're getting diminishing returns. So like more is not better, right? Like you're just literally max constraint, max capacity of oxidizing ketones. One. Two, to your point, the, the, the Goldilocks period, you have additional substrate from ketones, but then you're increasing blood acidity. And that's why there's like a whole field of research of sodium bicarbonate buffers. Uh, people are figuring out, can you put you know, sodium bicarbonate lotions and how do you drink it and how do you dose it? So there's a whole field of study. How do you lower blood pH, right? Like you want to have lower lactic acid because it, 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 it disrupts efficient metabolism, right? Acidity in your blood is not good for athletic performance. There's a whole field of research there. So when you have too much ketones with a ketone ester that's delivering acid into your system, well, you're literally triggering to a point where you're starting to decrement the benefits of ketones with blood acidity. And it's almost like so a pharmaceutical... It's almost like a pharmaceutical yeah. where you have a drug that works, but it has side, side effects. And now you're taking more other drugs to counter that side effect. Exactly. So that's point consideration two that we realized being, again, fielding this out in, in, in the field, in, 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 in the research. The third was actually the stability and its impact on GI. Um, Drinking any form of acid and ester, one the ester bond tastes really crazy. So all ketones taste kind of bad, but these esters are quite horrendous. And you know, some people might say, oh, they're all bad, but I would very happily debate you that there are different degrations of bad. Um, some of these esters are absolutely vile. Uh, we've, I, we've tried probably, we've tried all of them. So like, again, I, out of every, out of like almost every single human in the world, between myself and Dom D'Agostino, I think we've probably tried the most. Like I, I, I would compare myself and, 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 and put money on that because he's tried a bunch. I've tried a bunch, um, all types of formulations. 
the ester bond is just chemically something that is very triggering for taste buds. Um, so a lot of the ester forms actually taste quite bad. And if you're throwing up or having diarrhea in your race or where you're, you're drinking it for cognitive performance, well, if you're trying to poop your pants, that's not effective. So, um, so those are the three like massive learnings that we understood delivering HM and Keto 1.0 into the market. Um, some of the ancillary other learnings I think are worth mentioning include price point. Um, we were supplying for $30 a dose, which is great if you're Conor McGregor, you're making millions, you're going to be a billionaire, sure. You're breaking a world record, awesome. Like, dose it for that effort, we got you. Or, hey, we're supplying tier one special operators, life and national security mission set, boom. Cost is not a factor, let's, let's deploy. But even for me, and I make this stuff, I can't be drinking like my own supply of $30 a shot. Like I ain't like it's, it's basically unaffordable for me Then I'm making it. And it's not just because we jacked up the price. No, it just like literally is super expensive to make that specific molecule. So we went back to the drawing board in 2019, 2020, I don't remember the exact date, but as we were learning and testing this in market, testing this in, 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 in on the field, in the lab, in the clinical lab bench, testing it ac across every single domain, that got us thinking, how do we improve the baseline version of ketone, ketone ester that was basically discovered in the early 2000s, right? This is early 2000 technology. How do we refresh and make a better delivery mechanism of ketones in 2020? And that is what Ketone IQ represents. We took all of the learnings, uh, ameliorated the downside of Ketone Ester 1.0 and introduced Ketone IQ, which is a ketone dial, which we deem as a 2.0 technology to really take this industry and this field of research forward. So I would say that you know, we've been a little bit quiet because we didn't have the receipts on the research, on the peer-reviewed papers. And now, very, very shortly, we do. So I think this is why we're so proud and excited to unfold the kimono a little bit and, and, and give, give everyone a little sneak peek of, of what's under the curtains. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned and explained the difference uh, different types of ketone esters there is. And, and guys, if you are listening... If you notice, and, and go out there, have a search around what are these different ketone esters that Jeff mentioned, right? Astoacetate diester, C6 diester, um, gly glycerol ester, ketone monoester. All of these ketone esters, they have one thing in common. Half of their molecule is R13-butanediol. What are we selling? We are selling chirally pure R13-butanediol in a bottle. So, you know we are essentially taking what is the best that we have learned so far, like what Jeff said, and giving it a more accessible price as well as a much more palatable flavor. So, yeah, that, yeah I mean, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think that's like a, a great point, right? Like in some sense, all these esters are diluted forms of ketone diol, right? A ketone D-beta hydroxybutyrate monoester is a 50-50 dilution of r one butane diol. The C6, um, uh, ester it's one is a 50 50 dilution of okay it's a diester it's, it's yeah, one it's third butane yeah. dial two thirds mct oil right like 
F it, just go, go get your bulletproof coffee instead. Like why even bother uh, buying something that's very expensive and tastes like, like way crazier than a yummy uh, a bulletproof coffee that we can get from Dave Asprey, our friend. Uh, right? Like, I mean, that's a great product. Like don't make it overly complicated. Um, so in some sense, I think we combine the best of all worlds where we have top tier academic physiology and from, from folks like with your background, the combination of actually working directly with elite military and elite athletes, actually fuel testing, actually be trusted in their corner, actually getting subjective direct feedback from these uh, elite individuals. And also the practicality of just solving problems. I think that's where Silicon Valley has been very, very great. We're here to solve problems and be and have an engineering approach. And I think all these disciplines, all these mindsets coming together has allowed us to make this breakthrough, breakthrough with Ketone IQ. And since whatever we do, you know, we have the pillar of science. And that's why, you know, when Jeff said, very shortly, we have all these data coming out. One of our study just concluded with University of North Georgia, where we are looking at ketone IQ in the setting of anaerobic exercise. Now, never ever in the world that ketones have been used in anaerobic exercise. So this will be the first and also our first study with R13-butane now that's chirally pure. And we have seen, and this is a, just a little bit teaser, the paper will be out in a couple of months. We, ha we are submitting it, um, you know, end of February. And we, we actually saw an across-the-board increase in power output, velocity. We are looking at decrease in fatigue. And this is really, really interesting because it opens up a lot of, a lot, a much more, much bigger avenue for research in exogenous ketones. Because all this while, we thought ketones can only benefit endurance athletes. Because when it comes to anaerobic, glycolysis and glucose is still king. And I still believe that, right? Metabolically, that is what it is. But... For some reason, ketone IQ, R13-butane diode to be specific, is causing something either in the body or in the brain that makes people go harder, but also fatigue um, less frequently. So um, interesting stuff there. I'm just going to put it out there right now. Yeah. No, I'm super excited about that because, again, to your point, it's fun to challenge and push the limits of our understanding of physiology no one was brave enough to fund and spend the time energy to run anaerobic studies on ketones on ketone iq so it's not just us with marketing or just trying to shield product look we are putting our good money to where our mouths at actually studying this partnering with third-party academic institutions with their own credibility Right, their own um, reputation to, un to uh, uphold. Right, where this is not some BS, you know, self-run n equals one study that is kind of made-up data. No, we're partnering with the very, very best in the in, in the field of physiology and challenging and understanding and pushing the limits of what we know. So that's just like my ethos of what even drives me anymore. I feel very fortunate that. I don't need to really worry about paying my next bill or my next rent. Like life is short, life is scarce. Um, I only want to work on problems that are primal, that are fascinating, that are interesting in solving and pushing the limits of what humans can do. And if we can push the understanding of human performance, of human physiology, I think that's super high leverage and super interesting. 
and if we're going to be the ones that are pushing the understanding of science in this space, cool. Like that's uh, why we work so hard. That's why uh, we like doing science communication with podcasts and also funding and, and, and collaborating directly with top tier researchers. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge our sponsors of this show, Ketone IQ, the best exogenous ketone you can take to elevate your blood ketone levels. I personally take it every day before a podcast to wire my brain up, before and after my workout to really feel my body. So give yourself a chance, take a shot, and you will feel the difference within minutes. So head over to hvmn.com and use the code HVMNPOD20, that is HVMNPOD20, for 20% off your purchase and enjoy your ketone IQ and give your brain the perfect fuel. Exactly, exactly. Great. Now let's switch gear a little bit here, Jeff, um, to some more juicy parts of, of this special episode, okay? Um, there are okay. a lot of things that we learned from our customers, a lot of different questions and you know, FAQs that our customers would ask us. And, and some of this are also driven mainly by our competitors, right? Which is completely untrue statements. So let's start with the first statement is ketone IQ is bad for the liver. I'll, I'll give my take on it and then, and then I'll let you talk on it. So ketone IQ is bad for liver because they think R13-butanol goes through the liver and the liver converts BDO into BHB. Now, my take on it is that it shouldn't be bad for the liver because our liver is the main detox um, organ of the body. And if you imagine how many thousands of calories you're putting it through in a day on other food that are you know toxic and it still does fine, 70 calories of R13-butanediol, which is not toxic, um, there, there, there isn't a reason for me to believe that it will be toxic to the liver or it will harm the liver, even in the long, long term. And we have studies on, you know, safety studies for months, um, you know, where people take it every day. I've been taking it for more than a year and a half now, almost on a daily basis. Yeah. My liver enzymes are perfectly fine. My AST, LT, everything is within range. So I, I have no reason to believe that it is harmful to the liver. Jeff. Yeah. Look, I think it's pretty straightforward. One, we do have the longitudinal multi-dose studies on ketone IQ on long duration, right? Like that is the requirement to get grass status with the food regulators and all of that. So we've, and our supply chain partners who are great, have done that homework. We're self-affirmed grass, generally regarded as safe. It is as safe as a food substance that you find in the grocery store. So ketone IQ, it's regulated as a food and through all the qualifications, all the regulatory, all the checks and boxes, we've matched and surpassed those standards. So just first and foremost, like in terms of regulatory, look up, look up the longitudinal uh, studies. We've done all of that. And then second, the ironic thing, which I think is funny is that the main people that critique r 13 butane dial are actually people that sell ketone esters. So it's, it's like the kettle calling the pot black. So your product has at least 50% r 13 butane dial or, or some sort of butane dial, but you're saying that the hundred percent pure form is bad. So if you actually believe that, why are you even selling 
butane to other people in the first place. You're the one that's selling and talking one corner of your mouth saying that uh, one three butane dial is not good. But on the other hand, you're selling and making money off of that. So I challenge the integrity of people critiquing one three butane dial, especially if you are one selling uh, an ester. So folks, that just means actually look into the science, look actually into the molecules, understand where people are coming from. I don't mind people trying to make a living and doing a business. You know, we're, we're, we're a business. I'm, I'm a business person. I'm here to, uh, at some point, you know, make a profit, you know, do well and create value for the world. But of course, capture some of that value and keep the lights on. But I find it so distasteful when people are so disingenuous with their attacks. Again, to your point, right? Like, look at the science, look at the regulatory, look at the data. No effing problem. Um, you can come up with your theoretical arguments, fine, but like, don't, don't, don't literally shoot yourself in the foot making that same argument. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Exactly. Exactly. A butane dial is a butane dial is a butane dial. Your body will recognize it the same. If you're taking it in the form of ketone ester, half of it will be recognized as butane dial. If you're taking ketone IQ, it will be recognized as ket a butane dial as well. So that saying that butane dial is bad, but then you are going ahead and sell ketone ester, which half of it is butane dial, is just hypocritical in my opinion. And for me as a scientist, my main goal is to have that scientific integrity, but also spend my time and effort into educating people first and foremost. And, and secondly, also get on top of the research, right? On the data, on what is the truth out there. Like speak the truth and eventually it will just come out. And also not have the ego to change what I said because of new data coming up. I think a lot of scientists, they have this problem, especially the more established ones, because they feel like once they get challenged, their credibility is at risk. Therefore, because of their ego, they are unwilling they to accept in. the new data. They dig in. They dig even yeah. deeper into their previous claims, even though they have been proven wrong now which is antithetical to science, which I think is also just like a part of the broader cultural debate, which is, do you believe in the uppercase science, which is, uh, I don't want to go into COVID and vax and all that stuff. I mean, I think we can, we can go off the rails <laughs> there, but, but I, think, I think the main point is that science is not a stamp that says, hey, you are officially a scientist, you are science, and therefore everything you say is unpeachable. No, science is a constant inquiry, a challenge, un re underwriting the hypothesis, re underwriting our knowledge with new information and new data. So, to have that humbleness of being open minded is the true banner, the true flag of science. So, in some sense, I've been so turned off by the ivory tower of, 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 of academia because they're almost so arrogant and snobbish around, oh, I have, a, I have letters after my name. I have all these uh, prestigious institutions that back what I say. That's, that doesn't matter. Science is about data and an argumentation of how that data applies to a model of the world. And I don't, it doesn't matter if you're uneducated or educated. Whoever has the best description of reality wins in science. Uh, science is a tool to make effective use and manipulation of the environment around us. That science does not care if you have letters after your name or you have fancy institutions after your name, 
right? Like I'm very happy and, I, and, I, and very self-aware that I gave all the bona fides of what we've accomplished in this space. But if some 12-year-old comes and, and presents to me new data, I would like to hope and I would like to think that I'm open-minded to be like, hey, you're actually correct. I'm actually wrong. I am changing my mind. That is the true ethos of a scientist. And that is growth. That is growth and that is learning and that is you accumulating another piece of information that can help you build further uh, when it comes to research and insights. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's just human, pro I think that's just progress, right? I think yeah, exactly. once you become digging in, you are anti-progress, anti-science, anti-civilization. So, I mean, I think there's like a lot, a lot of, I'm just like very open-minded now to just like, how do we rebuild our institutions? I think there's a question around media. It's a question around uh, academia. There's a question around uh, government policy. And I think it's a healthy debate. There's a healthy decentralization of knowledge. And I don't feel threatened by it because I think that the truth will be battled out in the intellectual uh, battlefield of ideas. And if one person is scared, of, if a party is worried about it to, and, and to the point of censoring, I think that's the wrong side of history. Yeah. Like you're going to look like the Catholic Church trying to excommunicate Galileo. That's that censorship back, you know, 400, 500 years ago. That's a side of history that you're on if you're trying to censor free thinkers. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm so glad we highlighted the hypocrisy of certain, you know, other people out there who are selling exogenous ketones instead of educating people, instead of, you know, having full transparency on the science, they chose hypocrisy and lies around it. So one other statement that a lot of people ask us is that ketone IQ, um, does ketone IQ make you drunk? Our recommended dose is 10 grams. That has no effect on drunkenness or whatever or, or any. In fact, a lot of people take it for cognitive performance and they stand by it. They take before their podcast, before their presentation, before their exams, and they stand by it. I've got friends, I've got families who are taking it for that particular reason, cognitive performance. So if you say that it causes people to get drunk, there is no way they could perform better, right? So same thing with these people, competitors who say that it caused people to go, you know, to, to make people drunk. They are selling a alcohol replacement that has about 12.5 grams of BDL, of butanedial. Now, mind you, their ketone ester has 30 grams of ketone ester, half of which is butanedial. Now you do the math right? 12.5 grams is alcohol, but then in the 30 gram, half of which, you know, roughly about 15 grams, if we want to go into the chemistry, stoichiometry, I mean, it'll, you know, one gram plus minus, but let's generalize 15 grams of that is butanedial, and that is for performance. That doesn't make sense to me, right? Jeff, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm like, this is like basic yeah, I know, mathematics. It's, it's silly, right? It's like, like, look, yeah, it's, it's one of those like laughable things. I, I, I think the way I would talk about it is that one, um, the organic chemistry description of a dial is very different from common table ethanol, which is colloquial deemed, you know, alcohol, right? So uh, in, a, in a specific sense, a dial is under the chemistry class of an alcohol but it's very different from ethanol itself. So just even from like the base definitions, uh, drunkenness is 
associated with ethanol and it's a very different, actual very diff, different chemical and process than organic chemistry diols of which R13-butane diol is a sub-component or, or, or a, 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 a specific instantiation within the category of diols. And so that's first, actually, just like even in terms of definitions. Yeah, that's right? actually like, FDA like just like, Yeah, so that's, it's like you got to just like keep it super clear. Um, again, because I think it has very important implications from regulatory and food and, and all of that. Um, and then two, like the, oh, yeah, the main people that bring up this FUD, this fear, uncertainty, and doubt are basically people that sell more butane dial in their product than our dosing itself. So if you think that you get cognitive decrements with our standard dose, but you're delivering more of that chemical in your standard dose, but it, it happens to be an esterized form, um, again, you're speaking with one corner of the mouth on one side and uh, speaking on the other uh, with completely opposite. So again, I think there's a integrity question um, to ask, right? Like, uh, hopefully in this conversation, where uh, Lats and, and myself and the rest of the HVN team, like, we'll open up the receipts. We'll talk about the specific pros and cons of all of this. And I like to think that because we've been sweating this and all the details and all the intricacies for almost a decade, um, we've thought about a lot of this stuff and we're okay to talk about the pros and cons here. Um, so when you challenge us on the PK or the chemistry, hey, bring your receipts and we'll call you out if you are actually just basically bullshitting. Like that's just idiotic to me to say, hey, say like, you know, five grams of sugar is horrible for you, but hey, I'm gonna sell you 10 grams of sugar mixed with MCT oil in an ice cream form, and that's better. That's essentially what they're saying. Don't get fooled. I, I like that example. That is exactly what, what they do, uh, right? It's like just because you chemically bound butane dial with something else, doesn't mean that your body doesn't recognize it as butane dial. When the asterase cleaves that as the bond, it will release butane dial and your body will recognize it as butane dial. So that is, that is literally, that, that, that's also the literal premise of why it's so effective. It is esterases are very, very common within your uh, saliva and your gut. So the whole point of that ester is because it's so efficient in cleaving uh, R13-butane dial from the beta-hydroxybutyric acid. It was literally like the point of making that molecule is that it's very, very efficient at breaking down. So yeah, you have 50% butane dial floating around. So yeah. if butane dial, again, is bad, why are you selling it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, go ask. Go if ask you're selling me. it, then it must be good. Yep, you can't, you can't have the cake and eat it too, <laughs> right? Um, so I think we spoke a little bit about it, about it earlier, um, where we talk about but people saying, oh, ketone ester is always better than ketone IQ when it comes to performance. I think the, the point, you know, a few years back, maybe I would have agreed because the data wasn't, wasn't there on ketone IQ. And because we always thought higher is better in terms of blood ketone levels. But then after all these other papers started coming out, we got to change our point of view where we think, the higher it is, and we've seen this in our military contract as well, where we've got military personnel where they're dosing 
you know, body match dose. So they're big guys, so they're having much higher dose of ketone ester, and their blood BHB goes up to six, seven, eight millimolar. And what happens then is that they genuinely feel unwell. They have GI issues, they, you know, they were vomiting and all of that. And that just comes to show that higher is not always better. It's reaching that Goldilocks zone that gives you the benefit that you need for performance. Yep, 100%. And I think it's not just that Goldilocks zone, but the length and duration of being in that Goldilocks zone. So I think we have some metrics that we'll likely publish and talk about. Um, but there is some notion of area under the curve, the integral within that sweet spot that we think is a better metric in terms of actually what is considered optimal ketosis. So again, I, I can sell any exogenous ketone, right? Like that's what we do. We're entrepreneurs, we're engineers. We'll figure out how to sell any exogenous ketone that delivers the best performance. And we launched again, ketone IQ because we realized that the pharmacokinetics and the delivery of being in that optimal zone of ketosis, as well as like, again, the price point and the palatability and the, and the lack of GI issues makes ketone IQ the best technology in the market. So what I like to say is that HMN ketone 1.0 was the legacy, uh, iPod ketone IQ is the iPhone strictly better, strictly more performative. And because we got the scale, it's actually more cheap. It's actually more affordable too. And it doesn't taste as bad. So you win, win, win with ketone IQ versus our 1.0 product. You, it works better, it tastes better, and it's cheaper. Like you'd literally be fooled if you bought the more expensive, worse tasting, and less performant products that are out there. Uh, you get the Ferrari that's got an electric motor that's $10,000 versus the $50,000 shitty gas diesel BMW that's out there. Yep. And we're always improving, right? We are going to improve and keep on progressing and make sure that we have the best means to deliver the ketone levels, to deliver exogenous ketones into your body so that you get into the Goldilocks zone as soon as you can and stay as long as you can. So that, that's our goal and our aim and our commitment to ourselves and, and to our customers. So what you just said around the legacy and all that, that is the perfect segue to my next question, which is around IP, where our competitor said, this is the original HVM ketonaster, or this is the IP patented um, you know, ketonaster, and, and they use that as their marketing language. What, what are your thoughts around that, Jeff? Man, um, <laughs> look, I think, I think there's a lot of different ketone esters out on the marketplace. And I think when you actually dive into intellectual property and patents, uh, which we have, and we understand the sector very, very well, is that, I mean, I would like to think that like none of this stuff should be patented in the first place. First of all, the U S government funded all this stuff. So I think in some cases, in some argument that this should be public domain anyways. And I think there's a lot of prior art of great scientists in the seventies and eighties and nineties that might've contemplated this technology in the first place. So I think even in the history of a 20, 30 year life cycle of a patent, I think now we're in 2023, 
I think there's a good argument that all this stuff is public domain anyways. Um, but just practically speaking on the marketplace, there are multiple competitors of ketone esters out in the marketplace. So I am not a patent judge. So I don't really even care about this argument of, oh, I have the patent or you, you invented it or not invented it. I care about my own business and our business, which is that we have our own patent portfolio that we're developing. We're pushing out our own research. We're going to be vigorous about our approach to this technology space. And we're going to have the superior technology product. Um, when people point to a piece of paper that was issued 20 years ago as like, hey, uh, that's the reason why we're good or not good, that means you've lost. No one cares about that piece of paper. Like people care about results on the battlefield, in the, uh, the, uh, the, the sports arena, in the office. They don't care about the piece of paper. I'm not paying for the piece of paper. I'm paying for the result that a product gives me. So that's our approach. Um, I want to make something that works and deliver it at a very cost efficient price for all of our friends and customers. I think, I think that is the key point, right? Affordable price. Because for you who are listening, you know that if something is patented, they basically dominate or, or monopolize that particular molecule or that particular market, and they're able to set whatever price they want. And most of the time, they will maximize the margin because everyone you know, is greedy to a certain extent. Um, but if something that is not patentable, um, we are able to give it, you know, in, 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 to set it at a more accessible an affordable price. And that's the whole goal of this because of all these science and data that have come out, not just on athletic performance, but also in therapeutic users where people are using, you know, ketone IQ for cognition, for, you know, cognitively impaired individuals, for metabolic health in terms of lowering glucose level or just appetite suppression, helping with their intermittent fasting. They want to take it on a regular basis. The affordability point of view is so important for these people because not everyone can afford, you know, $30, $90 per day, right? So I think that has always been our, our, our goal when we launch Ketone IQ and it will always sort of, you know, go forward, um, be our goal as well. Yeah. Again, I think, of course, we're going to have our special sauce um, as we'll, we'll, and our, our strategy to be competitive in the marketplace. But I think people just need to understand patents don't mean anything in terms of effectiveness, right? Like I can go patent um, a, 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 a piece of poop. Like, great, the US government gives me a monopoly on this piece of poop. Um, but who cares? It, like the government does not make any claim of effectiveness, of value to the marketplace. It just says as a stamp that, hey, you kind of get some protection um, in a very narrow way around your specific approach to solving a problem. Um, of course, we as a business need to have our strategy and approach towards IP, and we do. Um, but that's not our focus. Our focus is, again, not collecting pieces of paper. Our focus is creating the best possible product and delivering it for the best possible value. Yeah, that's a great point. Like patentability does not equal to efficacy. Um, most of the time, it's due to the novelty of the molecule rather than the efficacy. Yes, they'll ask for efficiency and all of that. But most importantly, you know, a lot of people want to patent very early. Therefore, they don't have a lot of data going on. 
And what's more important is having that longitudinal data, having that long-term study. And as Jeff said, you know, we have been in the market since 2017 for all the people who have been taking ketone esters, they have been consuming our run through butane diol because half of them is that. So, you know, whenever you talk about side effects on the liver or, you know, bad for you or all of that, like think about all these people for the past five years, millions of people that have taken ketone esters, they are also consuming our run through butane diol and they're perfectly fine. So I think that's a great yeah. point to, uh, to take home. Um, before we go, we, we go into our closing remark, is there anything else uh, you want to add, Jeff? Uh, any more topics we want to discuss? I'm just super excited to really achieve the initial vision that we set out almost six, seven years ago, which is to make ketones a fourth macronutrient. And I think we're at the cusp of actually creating a fourth macronutrient because to me, a macronutrient is accessible, it's palatable, it's something that delivers a unique caloric attribute and metabolic profile than the three classic uh, macronutrients of carbs, protein, fats, and we're about to launch major retail partnerships, major uh, scientific collaborator and partnerships and, and, and working with the best thought leaders in their category. So I'm just actually just so freaking excited for the next few months here to see all of our hard work over the last few years unfold in the coming months. We're going to be all over. You're not going to be able to not hear about ketones, ketone IQ, HVMN, will be in your favorite uh, retail location, your favorite podcaster, your favorite athlete, your favorite thought leader will be talking about ketones. And it's so exciting to see the master plan after so many years of hard work underneath the, the wraps. Finally, we can unfold and, and show the world. Yeah, you basically read my mind. That was supposed to be my closing remark question. You know, what can people look forward to in 2023? And you covered it very, very well, Jeff. Um, we are doing so many great things and it's just the beginning of 2023. So by the time this episode airs, you will actually be able to find us on Huberman Labs podcast because we are partnering with uh, Andrew Huberman. So we are, you know, making waves in all these different health podcasts and making sure that people are listening to the current science and the truths around ketone IQ and exogenous ketones. Anything else to add there, Jeff? Yeah, it's, it's a true honor to be able to fund support back fundamental research to better understand human physiology, but then to your to like some of the most ap like important applications that I think almost underlooked today, right? Traumatic brain injury for veterans, such a under focused area that I'm so proud to, to be a small part of. So excited right. to tease into all of these different attributes of what we can contribute towards. All right. Well, has been a great time uh, speaking, you know, and, and, and talking to you again, Jeff, on, on this, on HVMN podcast that you started, um, you know, has been a, a pleasure as well, um, you know, my, for my learning experience. So thank you very much again for the opportunity and also for coming on today. Cool. We'll do it again soon. Yes, please. please. All right. Bye.